0: And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Charisse. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch uh she played the mother in the sketch like I played the uh the priest that was trying to you know get the demon out of her son in the sketch uh she played the mom and I played the priest going the power of Christ compels you like that was me well sadly this past Christmas Eve uh Tata Charisse was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm gonna do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase it. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Charisse merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which was another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month, and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far... I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop but I can't let this situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent and I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single BoochCast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the BoochCast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world.
1: Hello, Derek Shapiro here, writer, director, executive producer of The Glass is Half Full, out now on movieinternetchannel.youlsa.com, starring, of course, myself, Derek Shapiro, in River, oh, in Spring, something,
0: Pennsylvania. My name is Sid, my dad got a, a job in a radio.
1: Also starring Vinny the Bucci Bucci, Serenity Rose, and... Bruce Lee. Hey, hey. Hi, are you? I'm Eric. Eric. Nice to meet you. Hi, oh, nice to meet you. Yeah. Caroline. Yes. Oh, I know where I'm going. You can turn the directions off. I know where I'm going. Uh, Stefan, how are you, How are you feeling? Like crap. Like crap. I know. Also starring Evans A. Darolus and Dylan Schneider. Hey, you must be Evans. Yes. You must be Dylan. Yes. Also starring newcomers, Nelly and Crystal Myers.
0: Hi honey. Erica, how are I you? I miss you. I miss uh, you too. Honey. What are you doing? How's your day going? Not too bad.
1: Also starring from the movie Don't Tell Mom The Babysitter's Dead, yes Keith Coogan. Oh get a call from my good friend Keith! Hello
0: Keith! Eric, how are you? I, I heard the news. I'm so sorry.
1: And check my song out I Wanna Know What Love Is by Foreigner. i got to take a little time. And Melissa Rose's song. A kiss of the day gone by. Man, a finger to the sky. Nothing to hold me back. And also, of course, MovieInternetChannel.Ulyssa.com is the place where you could find the glasses half full out now.
0: So just how far down do you want to go? and well, we could talk it out over a cup of joe. And you could look deep into my eyes. That guy was a supermodel. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And, ladies and gentlemen, you guessed it once again. I am all by myself. Not shocked to be all by myself on the cap. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I had a little conversation with Gator Ricky Ross earlier today to see if he would be on the show. Well, apparently, once again, the children who I am starting to hate with everything I got, the children, apparently have once again requested a Wednesday class. In fact, the beginner class that Gator uh, tends to work on, apparently the students are clamoring to meet up on Wednesdays instead of Mondays because apparently it's more King Convenient for them. So it looks like there's a strong possibility that Gator might not be the AEW correspondent much longer. Now, for all the Gator Ricky Ross fans, the Gator congregation out there, I advise you to not be discouraged because obviously Gator will still be around for the classic pay-per-view reviews no matter what because the classic pay-per-view reviews we always schedule for whenever Gator is available. So we might record on a Monday. We might record it on a Wednesday before AEW sometimes. We've done that. We might do it on a Thursday or a Friday, whatever. We always find time within the week to do the classic pay-per-view reviews. We always find a way to work them in. So obviously Gator will still continue to do that. But if it turns out that the students get their classes on Wednesday, Gator may not be able to do AEW anymore. Now, if that is the case, One of two things is going to happen. Either A, I will be doing the AEW recaps myself, which I don't want to do, but I will, because as I mentioned before, y'all keep listening to these, so therefore I continue to do them. Or I might search for a new AEW correspondent. Now, I've considered the possibility of maybe trying to get Elvis to come back, because I know a lot of you guys like Elvis. And also with CM Punk returning this coming Saturday on Collision, CM Punk will officially be back with AEW, and we'll talk more about that a little later on in the recap. But with CM Punk returning, Elvis is now starting to watch AEW again, to the point where he's invited me over to his house to watch Forbidden Door. Now, he may or may not be able to do the Forbidden Door recap, depending on how long the pay-per-view goes, because those pay-per-views tend to last for fucking ever, and Elvis doesn't want to be up all night. I, on the other hand, don't mind doing that. I've pulled the all-nighters before with these recaps, so uh, my body's fucking used to it at this point. So, we'll see what happens. Maybe I can get Elvis to come back. If he doesn't want to come back, I'll try to find somebody else, because I know Zach's not going to do it again. I'm not going to ask him to do it again, because Zach is pretty much done with AEW. But uh, I am keeping that in mind. So if there's anybody out there that's actually a fan of All Elite Wrestling and wants to come on the show and be an AEW correspondent, uh, let me know. Send me your DMs. DM me through the Boochcast, though. Don't do my personal DMs because I get enough messages through there. Go to the Boochcast social media pages, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, and you can DM the show through those areas if you would like to be considered to be the AEW correspondent, assuming, of course, Gator does, in fact, have to walk away. Now, if Gator doesn't have to walk away, then Gator's going to keep the job because I want Gator as the AEW correspondent. But if he has to leave, then obviously I will be on the lookout for a new one. And if anybody's interested, I may bring you on and see how well you do. Just The key thing is this, if you're going to be the AEW correspondent, here are the requirements that I would ask for anyone interested and being the AEW correspondent. Number one, you have to be available on Wednesday nights to do Dynamite. Number two, you have to be available the night of the pay-per-views to recap them. So, yes, there will be all-nighters if you agree to be a part of this. And number three, this is not a requirement, but it's a plus. If you are a podcaster yourself, and you have your own audio recording equipment, and you also have the ability to edit, in the event... That for whatever reason, I personally am not able to be part of an AEW recap for whatever reason. I might have something major going on on a Wednesday. Uh, I might have something going on this Sunday of a pay-per-view if I'm working a show or whatever. In the event that for whatever reason, I'm not able to do it, you can step in on your own and recap the show by yourself. Then you can just record, edit, send the info to me, and I can post it for you. Now, that third thing is not necessarily a mandatory requirement but if you have those skills it is a plus and it would definitely make you most likely to get the position over somebody who can't so that is something i would like to have so if anybody's interested in being the aw correspondent uh send me your information and uh dm me through the boochcast social media pages and like i said if gator's not able to do it anymore we'll chat and we'll see uh what you want to bring to the table But in the meantime, in between time, we're going to jump into this AEW recap. We're going to kick things off with our first official match of the evening. This is a AEW world title eliminator match. We have MJF one-on-one against Adam Cole. Okay, right off the bat, I got a lot of shit to say. First thing I want to address is why in the ever-living fuck is this opening the show? MJF is the world heavyweight champion. Yes, I know this is not a world title match, but still, it's a match where if Adam Cole wins, he can get a shot at the world title. MJF is not only the world heavyweight champion, but he is also the biggest, most over star the company to the point where he was able to get a raise by no showing that's how big of a star mjf is that rather than wait for his contract to expire and try to you know work out a deal with him where mjf can try to negotiate for more money like a mature adult would do mjf decided i'm gonna walk away i'm gonna sit at home i'm gonna let the ratings suffer until tony decides to bring him back without signing an extension and pay him more money even though when mjf first got signed signed to AEW he was an absolute nobody didn't matter how good he was he was not a star when he initially got signed to AEW now he became a star on his own he got himself over but he was playing with the contract that was dealt because at the time that was the value he brought Now, once your contract expires, you can then use the numbers and the equity and the star power that you drew. You can use all the evidence and all the hard work you did to back up why you should make more money. And then if they don't want to pony up the dough, you can then go to WWE if you so desire. But MJF decided, I'm not going to wait till 2024. I want money now. And it got to the point where a lot of fans felt like MJF had every right to say, I want more money now. All the wrestling experts said he should have more money now. MJF is the ultimate minute-by-minute draw. He was number two in the company behind CM Punk. This man is the strongest pillar in AEW. So why the fuck is he opening the show? MJF should not be the opening match. He should be the main event. Your world champion, whether he is defending his title or not, should always be the main event. Because if you don't make your world champion the main event, it makes your title meaningless. And I don't want to hear any bullshit about, well, this has a better story, or this has a better... Fuck that if we're gonna get into story if we're gonna get into kayfabe if we're gonna stay in the kayfabe bubble here are the facts in the kayfabe world of professional wrestling the world heavyweight title is the number one top prize in the business it is the one thing that every single wrestler in the locker room should be shooting for you should aspire to achieve nothing less than than the World Heavyweight Championship, because that is the belt that symbolizes that you are the best. Not the TNT title, not the international title, not the bullshit belts from Ring of Honor, the World Heavyweight Championship. Unless you are a woman or unless you are in a tag team, the world title should be your number one goal. Now, if you're a tag team wrestler, I get it. You want the tag team titles to be your richest prize because you're not really looking to go for singles gold if you're a woman obviously your goal would be the women's championship because you can't realistically go for the world title unless certain companies want to break the rules like when they had tessa blanchard be the impact world champion in tna or when sexy star won the lucha underground title they didn't have a women's title everybody fought for one belt in lucha underground so in those cases i get it but if you're a, a male singles wrestler the world title should be your goal if it's not you are taking up space in this company that should be the thing you all want to fight for nothing absolutely fucking nothing in this company should be more valuable or more important than the world heavyweight championship so the fact that this was the opening match is already a fucking problem because there's not a match on this card that is more valuable than the world title in fact the only positive About this being the opening match is the fact that they put the fucking Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club as the main event, which I'm still trying to fucking figure that out. But the good thing about that is I was able to shut the TV off early, which means this podcast is going to somewhat end early. Because I can skip that, and then as soon as we get to the match or segment or whatever before that, I can wrap the show up. Because, like we said before, we don't watch the Elite here on the Booch Cats. We skip those motherfuckers because they're cancer cells. So anything involving them, I don't watch. So that was the first issue. Second issue I had. The match went way too long. If you were going to have a match go this long, it should be the main event. I don't give a fuck... Who it is in the ring, the opening match on a card should not go longer than 10 minutes at all. And that's a direct quote from Gator. I wish he was here to bring this up, but I'm speaking on his behalf because he literally texted me that when he heard the recap I did last week. It's supposed to be two minutes for both entrances and then an eight minute match. Because as I mentioned before last week, the main event can go 30 minutes because that's the match you're paying money to see. So that match can go the distance. You can have a 30-minute draw to close out the show and have Adam Cole demand five more minutes and then MJF slides out of the ring and leaving. That was fucking brilliant. And it would have meant more if it closed out the show. If that was what you saw, MJF just walking backwards up the ramp, holding up the title, Adam Cole looking pissed off because MJF is being a coward as the show goes off the air. There is, I doubt anything happened during the main event that would have been better than that. And you would have ended the show with an actual wrestling match between two guys who know how to wrestle instead of a bunch of trampoline guys and bloodthirsty psychopaths who do the same shit every time they're in the ring. Now, of course, in the match... Shit happened that was actually great. I enjoyed the fight spilling out to the floor. I did not like that MJF smacked one of the fans in the stands. I I I don't like that, okay? I'm not a big fan of MJF provoking the crowd that way. And the reason I'm not a fan of it is because one day he's gonna piss off the wrong fan and they're gonna jump the barricade and they're gonna fucking fight him and either MJF's gonna win or he's gonna get his ass kicked and if the guy attacks MJF from behind, he ain't gonna be prepared for it. I am sick and tired of wrestling fucking with the fans like that. You don't touch the fucking fans. And then some people that also people are going to be like, "Well, Vinny after he smacked him, he had a smile on his face. He loved it." I'm gonna say this right now, and I don't care if this gets me any hate. I'm gonna say it anyway. If a wrestler throws a drink in your face or slaps you in the face and you consider that an awesome moment that you can brag about to your friends, you're a fucking loser. You suck at life. You have the saddest existence on planet Earth. If that is a highlight story for you to tell your friends. The only time you should be bragging about getting hit by somebody is if you actually work in the business. Like me, when I got slapped by Stan Lee at the state fair. I can talk about that because I'm actually in the business. I'm a ring announcer who got slapped, so I can tell that story. Especially since I did not expect the slap to happen. And there's a funny story that goes with that. But if you're a fan in the stands, and you're going to brag everybody, Hey, look, I got slapped in the face. uh," You're fucking pathetic. I'm sorry. You're fucking pathetic if that is a highlight moment for you in your life. If that's the story you're going to tell your friends, or your kids, or your grandkids, your existence is already futile. Now, I did enjoy the fact that MJF countered the Panama Sunrise, Adam Cole countering the Heat Seeker. Eventually, they were able to hit those moves, but they weren't enough to end the match. Uh, The referee stopping the Dynamite Diamond Ring was good. I also like the fact that MJF came in with the belt, tossed it to Adam Cole, dropped to the ground. But the referee was staggering, fell back down, didn't see the belt. So now Adam Cole had it, was able to clock MJF with the belt. I thought it was genius because you've never seen that counter before. Or if you did, it was rare. Because I don't remember ever seeing that happen. Usually when that happens, one of two things goes down. Either the referee calls the belt and disqualification or... The guy is somehow able to convince the ref that he tricked me and the ref doesn't call for the belt. This is, this is a rare moment where the ref doesn't see the trick at all. So now Adam Cole has a belt in his hand and he can clock MJF. And then of course MJF hit the tombstone on the apron and hurts his knee. Stupid spot. Didn't need to happen. And then MJF does the elbow drop through the table, which I also thought was stupid. But the only reason it works is because MJF said during the media scrum, He doesn't do stupid shit. Everything he does is intended to win the match. But sometimes he will do things to prove a fucking point. So I think this was him trying to prove a fucking point. That look, I can do all the same death-defying shit... That your favorites can do, but I choose not to do them because I'm not a fucking mark. And I think that was the point he made with that. But overall, this shit went way too long, should not have opened the show. And the only reason it works is because the match ends in a draw, which means that at some point down the road, we could see another match between these two. And hopefully we can drag it out until a pay per view, which I think is going to be the goal. And I think there's a way to do that, but I'll explain more about that later. Later on in the shows, I don't want to jump ahead or give anything away. But I will say, as a competitive match, it was awesome. I take nothing away from the actual match itself. I just don't like the fact that it opened the show. And I don't like a lot of the silly shit that happened in it. I felt some spots were unnecessary. Then, we cut to a video package hyping up CM Punk's return. Punk says the only thing that's certain about CM Punk is that nothing is for certain. He says he has scores to settle and things to do. He says he won't know what he will do or say until he has the microphone, but he has a lot to get off his chest. First off, let me just say, I'm glad we finally got to hear CM Punk speak. I'm glad we got to see some of CM Punk's training. We get to see how different he looks during his time away. And I like the fact that he said he's got scores to settle and things to do. And he's got things to get off his chest. Which means that at some point on Collision, there's going to be a promo segment. But here's the question. Are they going to open the show with Punk having a mic in his hand? Or are they going to wait until after the six-man tag match is over and then he speaks to the crowd? That's the question. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm more concerned with what Punk has to say than what happens in this six-man tag. Don't get me wrong, I'm definitely going to check it out at a later date because on Saturday I'm going to be in North Carolina with Buff. So I'm not going to be able to watch Collision Live, but I will definitely check the highlights at some point. And I'll be sure to talk about them on next week's AEW recap. We'll hit some Collision highlights. But as I mentioned before, due to the fact that Gator and I both work on the weekends with shows and stuff, Collision is just not realistic for us to watch and recap on a regular basis. The best we can do is hit the highlights. But I do like the fact that CM Punk's going to have a mic in his hand. And most likely, he's going to be talking about what happened with the Elite. That. And I'm sure Chris Jericho's name's going to come up. And I'm sure he's going to have some shit to say to the fans that have been dogging him and bad-mouthing him and turned their backs on him. The ungrateful sons of bitches that they are. I know Paul's going to have a lot to say. And then we'll find out in that promo, is he going to continue on as a babyface or is he fitting to turn heel? What's going to happen here? It's going to be intriguing. But I will say this, with CM Punk coming back into the fold, AEW's about to get a whole lot better. And as I mentioned before, this is the catalyst for Elvis to come back to AEW. Now, whether he watches all of AEW or if he just watches Collision remains to be seen. But we do know for certain that CM Punk is not going to disappoint. And I'm excited that he's finally back. And next, we cut to an in-ring segment with Sammy Guevara. Guevara says he's had plenty of highs and lows in recent months. He says the goal remains the same, as he is determined to win the World Heavyweight title. Guevara states that he has to make some tough decisions and some changes. Darby Allen interrupts and says the people are starting to love Guevara again. He wonders if Sammy will stand on his own two feet or in Chris Jericho's shadow. Jericho comes out and tells Allen to shut his mouth and mind his business. Jericho asks Guevara why he didn't call him when he was chasing the World title. Jericho tells Guevara he made him a star. He says if Sammy had asked for his help, he'd be the champion right now. Guevara wonders why Jericho didn't call him, because he would have beaten Adam Cole if he did. Jericho tells Guevara to apologize, and Sammy refuses. Jericho gets in his face and tells him to remember the hierarchy of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Alan says Jericho may call himself a wizard, but when he steps into the ring, the magic is gone. Jericho gets in Alan's face and says he and Sammy will beat him up. Sting comes out. He and Jericho square off and hold their baseball bats to each other's throats. Sting hits Jericho's bat and Jericho leaves. This was an awesome in-ring segment. Now, of course, Sammy, who apparently got some type of tan... Because this is the darkest he's ever looked. He's not as light-skinned as he used to be. He was pale fucking white. Now he's getting a little bit of brown on him. So he definitely went and got a tan. He's talked about the fact that uh, Ty is pregnant. And they are having a baby girl. And then talks about wanting to be the world champion again. And I'm excited for this. And by this, I mean the fact that the Jericho Appreciation Society is involved in this now. Because I'm not really sold on Sammy being the world champion. And it's going to take a lot for me to be convinced that Sammy is deserving of the world title because he still has an unlikable personality to me. So I'm gonna have to see how this face turn develops over the coming weeks and months. And if it goes according to plan, I might come around. If it doesn't, I'm still gonna say he's a garbage human being. But I like the fact that they're finally addressing this because I've been talking about this for a long time. The fact that the Jericho Appreciation Society has been nowhere to be found while Sammy's been doing this babyface shit that he's been doing. So now it looks like we're finally going to have an answer. Now, apparently they're bringing back the Sex Gods because that was the name of Jericho and Sammy's tag team. And it looks like they're going to be facing Darby Allin and Stang in a tag team match. Now, whether it happens next week on Dynamite or at some point down the road in a pay-per-view, I don't know. Most likely it's going to happen on free TV. I did like the fact that Sting and Jericho were across the ring from each other. Because this is going to be intriguing. Because keep in mind, Jericho was a cruiserweight back when Sting was on top of the world. And when Sting came to WWE, unless I'm mistaken, I'm not sure if Jericho was around during that time. I don't think he was. Or if he was, he was doing something completely different from that and was nowhere near Sting or the world title picture or anything like that. Actually, now that I'm looking it up, apparently during this time, he was only doing house shows. He wasn't working TV much. Um, he did do some events like the Beast in the East against Neville. And he was the mystery partner for Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose against the Wyatt Family United Champions. And then he had a match at Madison Square Garden where he fought Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental title but couldn't win it. So apparently Jericho was just doing house shows. So that's why him and Sting never really crossed paths even in the locker room to my knowledge. But they're finally face to face in this ring at a time where Sting is still an icon. And Jericho is also a legend and icon, considered the GOATS. So to see those two standing in the ring is going to be awesome. And we'll see where this leads to as far as the two of them in the future, whether Jericho and Sting ever have a one-on-one match or a one-on-one program. But it looks like we're going to have this tag team match. The only question is, how is it going to end? Will Sammy stay with the Jericho Appreciation Society, or will he finally break away? And I'm going to say this. If they are serious about making Sammy Guevara a top babyface, if they are serious about making Sammy Guevara a future world heavyweight champion, he needs to leave the Jericho Appreciation Society. He needs to get out of the shadow of Chris Jericho. In fact, he needs to work a rivalry and a program with Chris Jericho. And it needs to end with Sammy... Ultimately getting the upper hand, defeating Jericho, and forging his own solo path. That's what needs to happen here. Because otherwise, Sammy will never be taken seriously if he is constantly under the thumb of the wizard. And then we cut to the backstage area with the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata. Who decides to issue an open challenge at Forbidden Door for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Now, obviously... If you're a fan of New Japan, this excites you. I, for one, could give a fuck less because I don't really give a shit about the IWGP world title because I don't know really anybody lately of great importance who's held it. I don't acknowledge Sonata as somebody I take seriously and because I know who ends up challenging for the belt, but we'll talk about that a little later, that's enough for me to completely go, this is worthless. I mean, obviously I'll watch it, but I'm not really excited about the IWGP world heavyweight title because nobody Worthwhile really fights for this thing. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got ourselves an eight-man tag. We have Darby Allen, Sting, Orange Cassidy, and Keith Lee versus the Mogul Assembly. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a spot fest from hell. That's all the fuck this is. It is a spot fest, and it is a prime example of why Sting should not be in a ring with spot monkeys who can't control themselves because I love Sting. I have been a Sting fan my whole life. And I believe under the right circumstances, Sting can still work and still go in the ring, and he clearly demonstrates that. But what this did was expose the fact that Sting is not as fast and is not as quick on his feet as he used to be. And he can't keep up with the goddamn spot monkeys. They don't compliment his style. If you're going to work with a legend, you have to complement their style. This is a thing that a lot of young guys in the business do not fucking understand. And is constantly overlooked because they're more concerned with stealing the show than putting on a show. And the rule is this, when you are in the ring with somebody, you do not outwork them. You work with them. Your job is not to outclass your opponent. Your job is to work with your opponent to put on the best match possible. And if you got somebody who works a slower style, you have to complement that fucking style. Take your spot monkey bullshit moves and time them and pace them and put them in the right spot so it works. But the problem is, that can't happen because you're in the ring with a bunch of jackoffs who don't want to learn nothing, who just want to do reckless shit for the sake of doing reckless shit. That's Orange Cassidy's MO. It's damn sure Keith Lee's MO. Most of the mobile assembly, that's definitely their MO. And to an extent, it's Darby Allin's MO. Granted, Darby Allin has, or did, cool down on it somewhat, but is starting to relapse and go back up again now that he's no longer in the world title picture. But yeah, this was just sloppy, disorganized, not interesting. The only good thing was when Orange Cash hit the orange punch, it set up Sting to do the Scorpion Death Drop instead of actually knocking out Brian Cage. Because if that punch had knocked out Brian Cage, I may have just shut the TV off right there and said, fuck this whole fucking company. But thankfully, that didn't happen. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with the Guns, who are asked about their relationship with Jay White. They dismiss the question and call themselves the best tag team in AEW. They mock the Hardys and call themselves the best brother tag team in AEW. The duo challenges the Hardys to a match next week. Okay, well... As of right now, to my knowledge, when they were listing matches, I didn't see if this was made official. I have a feeling if it's not already, it's probably going to be. But if it doesn't get made official next week, then I'm sure next week they'll make it official for the week after. But it will be intriguing to see. I'd like to see the Hardy boys working together again. As much as I don't like Jeff Hardy, I do like seeing Jeff Hardy when he's teaming with his brother Matt. Because Jeff is a much better tag team wrestler than he is a singles wrestler. Sorry, but he is. So I would like to see the Hardys against the Guns and hopefully the Hardys can work themselves into an AEW tag team title run because they definitely should have one before this brother duo splits for good or retires. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the TNT Championship. Wardlow with Arn Anderson defends the title against Jake Hager. This was a pretty good match. Solid. Didn't go long. Didn't need to go long. Both guys are power guys with power moves. Great timing. I love the fact that uh, they had Matt Menard and Angelo Parker come out. Brock Anderson fought them off even though it looked like Arnie Anderson was going to pull out a Glock but he didn't. But then he threw some shots in. Eventually, Wardlow hit the diving senton and then power powerbombs Hager for the win. And I can say this match was good and it damn sure made my nipples hard. And then after the match, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus appear on the video screen and answer Wardlow's open challenge. Cage names AEW Collision as the place and reveals a bloody Arn Anderson in the aftermath of an apparent attack. So, in addition to the six-man tag match at Collision, we now know on the debut episode of Collision, it will be Wardlow and Luchasaurus for the TNT Championship. So, the question is, can Luchasaurus win the title at Collision, or will Wardlow continue to retain could Anderson being a bloody mess play a factor? Who knows? All I can say is, if Luchasaurus did win... I'd have no objections to that because I like this new heel version of Luchasaurus. I like that he's more of a badass. I like that he's not doing the, the stupid silly shit with Jungle Boy and this pairing with him and Christian Cage works out perfectly. It is beautiful. It is a work of art and I enjoyed it immensely. And next we cut to the backstage area with Hiroshi Tanahashi who appears in a video message and challenges MJF to a match at Forbidden Door for the World Heavyweight title. In an interview, MJF shoots the Match down, calling New Japan a rinky-dink indie fed, and teases no-showing forbidden door. Now, obviously, I didn't give a shit about Tanahashi, mostly because I know MJF talked about a different Japanese guy that he respected, and I felt like that was the guy he should step in the ring with, but instead, they're giving him Tanahashi, because apparently he almost beat Moxley for the title last year, even though originally he was supposed to face CM Punk. So, all I gotta say is, I personally think Tanahashi Hashi should be facing CM Punk and the guy that NJF actually respects should be the guy he challenges with his world title line. I like NJF shooting the match down because he's right. New Japan at this point is a rinky-dink indie fed. It's a fucking joke. It's embarrassing. That's why I take no one from there seriously. And... You know, he said he's no-showed events for AEW in the past. Obviously referring to that Revolution um, autograph signing. I think it was that. It was an all-out autograph signing. I think that was it. It was some type of autograph signing before a pay-per-view that MJF chose to no-show because he wasn't getting paid properly. So that kind of made it funny and said he wouldn't show up. But apparently, Tony Khan's already made it official. So it looks like this is going to happen at Forbidden Door. And we'll uh, see what happens there. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with uh, AEW international champion Orange Cassidy, who was asked about his future. He is confronted by the New Japan world television champion, Zack Sabre Jr., who expresses interest in facing Garcia. Garcia interrupts and says he wants to face Shibata. Cassidy challenges the two of them to a tag match. Basically, Orange Cassidy and Shibata versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia. I don't give a shit about this either. I'll be honest. Nobody in this match is for daniel garcia interests me at all i do somewhat like Zack saber jr but daniel garcia is the only interesting person here and why he would want to face shibata makes no sense because he's the ring of honor pure champion but i don't know if he's signed to new japan or not or if he's part of ring of honor i assume he would be part of ring of honor if they're going to put a ring of honor championship on him but then again they do stupid shit all the time so in a way it doesn't surprise me but again, I have no interest in this tag match. So on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the AEW Women's Championship. That ass, Toni Storm with Ruby Soho versus Sky Blue. This was a fairly decent match. I enjoyed it. I think both women did very well. At one point, it looked like Sky Blue was going to win. I was going to be like, give me a fucking break. But thankfully, that didn't happen. Because apparently um, Storm went to go use the trademark spray paint but Sky Blue counted with some paint of her own. Then she slammed her to the ground but Soho distracts the referee and therefore she can't get the fall. So Sky super kicks her. Storm into the Storm Zero but Sky manages to kick out. Then Storm goes for the submission and it looked, basically goes like a Texas Cloverleaf and Sky taps out. Now here's my issue. Why did we need the tap out? The Storm Zero could have ended it right there because I don't know what the plan is, but I can tell you right now, at this point, Sky Blue should not get another shot at the title. One, I believe once you tap out, you're done. Tap out should signify the end of the match, end of the feud, end of the rivalry. You just gave up. You can't go back and suddenly request a title shot. So, of course, Sky Blue gets beat down into the match. Willow Nightingale makes a save. So, now it looks like she'll try to do something. I don't know. But either way, I'm just glad Tony Storm is the champion. And I will say Sky Blue did put on a good performance in this match. So, at least she's improved. next we come to the backstage area where jungle boy jack perry accepts sonata's iwgp gold heavyweight championship open challenge he says hook is his best friend it would mean the world to him if hook would have his back at forbidden door they fist bump hook basically you know stating i will have your back in this match Okay, now do you see why I didn't give a fuck about the IWGP world title? Because Sonata's defending against Jungle Boy. And as I mentioned before, Jungle Boy has been a disappointment since Revolution. If Jungle Boy Jack Perry had kept the same momentum that he got from beating Christian at Revolution, and if Jungle Boy didn't have that incident at the fan fest where he basically shit on wrestling and shit on the fans, I might be able to get behind this. If those two things didn't happen, I could probably get behind this match. If Jungle Boy was still the same badass he was before, I could get behind this. But because those things aren't happening... I can give two shits about this fucking match. And then there's a video package hyping up Forbidden Door, specifically Brian Danielson versus Okada and Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. And all I got to say is, again, Brian Danielson and Okada seems to be a dream match. We'll see how it goes. And I still think Kenny should be facing Take a Shitta instead of Will Ospreay. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to skip that fucking match anyway. And then in a vignette, Jay White, Juice Robinson, and FTR hype up their match at AEW Collision. Obviously, they're trying to get people excited for the sixth man. People already are if they're a CM Punk fan. I like the fact that FTR is giving CM Punk his flowers, acknowledging he's one of their best friends in the industry and that they're excited for this match. Jay White and Juice Robinson, I don't give a fuck about these two. I really don't. They're just there. They're just filler. They're just there to give Samoa Joe two partners to fight CM Punk and FTR. You already know Punk and FTR are going to win as well they should. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of AEW because the main event involves the Elite and Blackpool Combat Club, and I'm skipping that shit because we don't do the Elite here. So... But thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow the Cast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show, as well as great content. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. Make sure you join us for the biggest party of the summer, And, of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our bootcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And, of course, you can support The Booch by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash The Booch slash support. Become a supporter of The Booch Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock peacock so don't give them money give us money we got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level we can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WB Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold to the Peacock, got nowhere to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than Network and unlike Endeavor, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with your credit card or with G-Pay. And best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use it to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes they're to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said done. We use the recipe Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And now that he's clean shaven, and apparently, ladies and gentlemen, it seems like he's going to be going straight edge. He might actually quit drinking and smoking. So with all that going down, he might be able to actually get some pussy in 2023. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, Pizza baby! Well I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye, goodbye, so long, so long, farewell, farewell, and you be good, stay well, bye bye, keep warm, relax, and take care, stay loose, adieu, you vieux, à la prochaine, goodbye till when we meet again.